At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Shepherds, happy birthday. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom or Robots, and welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. I'm here with my good buddy N7 the Legend. N7! Man, I'm looking at our show notes, and uh, for those of you who have not realized yet, N7 is the research side of this pairing. I am the production side of the pairing, and N7 has gone into uh, super overdrive because he's done a doozy on these show notes. He, um, some, I mean, he he does his homework if you haven't realized it yet. But man, he has written a thesis paper. Um, if there was a degree where you could get like a doctorate in mass effect lore i think you just earned it <laughs> well i i i appreciate your uh faith in in my research i try to be thorough and uh i know that sometimes when i cite the codex that angers some people i'm not sure what i should cite then there's uh, i mean there's only so much you can cite it's not like this is actual like real history where you can pull from like you know dozens and dozens of volumes of different historical authors you know like right. no how dare i cite the game <laughs> right? like, it's like, well i guess i could have traveled to the actual planets myself and dug through their archives <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What else? Are Sorry you for do? not being Liara. <laughs> sure. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, man. So what are we talking about today? Well, you know, today uh, when we're recording this is April 11th and that is Commander Shepard's birthday. Happy and, birthday. Uh, yeah. Happy, happy, happy birthday to Commander Shepard. And that's not that's not the one of the voice actors birthdays. That's canonically the actual character's birthday. Mm -hmm. um, so following this this pattern that we started since the character episode started, um, 
you know, with, uh, you know, Mass Effect 1 opens and we hear Anderson and Odina talking about Shepard, of course, then the next face we see is Shepard's. So I figured on Shepard's birthday, who better to talk about than the one and only. As beautiful um, or hideous as you made it. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've seen some hideous ones. Yes. Uh, I know that you had, what was your custom Shepard's name? The one that looked terrible? Oh, God. Oh, man. What was his name? Um... Oh, it's been a while now. Uh, something, it was like something DeVito. It was, oh God, it was bad. It was real bad. I don't, I can't remember. I can't recall. Oh, it was like Waluigi something. Oh, I thought it was like something just abrasive, like asshole shepherd or something. No, no, <laughs> something, no, 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 no. Something like that. No, no, no. It was, it was, he was a combination of Danny DeVito and like Waluigi all in one character. Well, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was so bad that I really had a hard time continuing that playthrough because because <laughs> I was playing him as as a total douchebag and he was just the most hideous looking character I could design. And I, I don't know, after about, uh, I don't know, seven hours in, I was just like, I, I can't keep doing this. There's no way this person is going to save the galaxy. You're like, you know what? This is a very long gimmick. <laughs> this is right. This is just not going to work out. I have to go back and start over. Right. Um, well, <laughs> while I'm sure some people um, make their shepherds to be gimmicks, I think probably the majority of us probably take our shepherds role playing seriously mm-hmm. um and uh, even though uh we have great variety in shepherds um i think most of us end up picking the same thing over and over again you know what i mean um yeah we kind of have a, a well we go back to right right yeah and and while the player can decide a great deal of what Shepard experiences before Mass Effect 1 starts, I think there's certain basics that are already put in place for us. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So um, I'm sure most of us already know all the preliminary stuff, but why don't we start with the basics? Yeah. Um, so, of course, last name is Shepard. We can customize the first name, but can't touch the last name. Uh, and that's probably for, you know, <laughs> logical reasons consistency uh, yeah they need they need the uh recorded voice acted lines to be able to fit and your character is always referred to as shepherd well there's a reason for that the player character was based off of alan shepherd jr who is the first uh i'm sorry the second person and first american in space he was also the fifth to walk on the moon Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting that, that Shepard was, was based off of that. Um, and, uh, Shepard was also born on April 11th. Like we've said, uh, April 11th is Shepard's birthday. 2154 is the year though. So Shepard is negative 132 years old. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> today. <laughs> um, but in Mass Effect 1, they were, of course, 28 or 29, uh, which, and April 11th is also the date of the Apollo 13 mission, which is, you know, beyond a coincidence. That was definitely chosen on purpose. Um, and that Apollo 13 mission was the one that went famously awry after one of their oxygen tanks exploded. Um, but mission control at NASA and the astronauts are geniuses. And so they maneuvered and improvised ways to come back unharmed. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. Unharmed. Amazing stuff. Yeah. 
it's weird to think about about Shepard being 28 or 29 uh, because I'm around that age right now uh-huh. and I know that I'm not nearly mature or bad enough or badass enough to uh, handle the shit that Shepard does I mean like what were you like at, at 28 Tom yeah you know, I, I feel like that was right about the age where I started getting my life together like that would have been like hey maybe I need to start taking everything seriously you know, and I feel like that's common for a lot of people is that they kind of uh, uh, and maybe this is a commentary on our own world and just kind of how things work out in our lives, because there are a lot of places in the world and a lot of t- times in history where you take on a lot more responsibilities earlier in your, in your life. And we have a sense of kind of postponing that a little bit in our on our day and age. But I don't know. But yeah. By, it was about 27 when I really started to kind of, the world kind of kicked me in the butt. <laughs> and I started to feel like, okay, uh, I should start taking things a little bit more seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably when many people have their toughest obligations start to rear their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Shepard, the, um, for Shepard, I'd say life got harder sooner. But that's not surprising. Um he or she was an in seven graduate decidedly a badass already much before being 28 yeah uh and no matter what background or psych profile you choose for shepherd they're still a veteran of something called the skillion blitz and we know this from a conversation with joker the pirate or the, the pirate <laughs> joker the pirate <laughs> the pilot uh, not an r an l <laughs> Today's show brought to you by the letter L. Uh, <laughs> or R. Or R. Pirates Arr. are also mentioned. For pirates. In fact, I'm, I'm about to talk about pirates right now. <laughs> because in 2176... What's a, what's a pirate's favorite letter? It's... <laughs> <laughs> You'd think it's R, but it's but the it's C. <laughs> but it actually be the C. Yeah. Oh, no. Um... Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. It's funny because the Skillian Blitz was like, a, <laughs> it was led by a group of pirates. <laughs> so I was like already jumping ahead of myself uh, with that one. So a huge group of pirates and rogues and slavers and Batarian warlords and whatnot, they all attacked the human colony of Elysium, which was the first human settlement in something called the Skillian Verge. The group was funded with dark money which is speculated to have come from the Batarian hegemony. Mm-hmm. So we know that they don't like humans, but why? I mean, it seems like they went through a lot to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down to humanity's expen- expansion in the Skillian Verge, which the Verge is basically the Wild West of galactic zones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember us talking about this. Yeah. It's, it's important. It's incredibly important um, in the lore. It's a contested but relatively untouched region of space, uh, which is on the border between Batarian space and Alliance space. So when the Batarians want to colonize, but humanity is gobbling up planets left and right, mm-hmm. and the, col- the council basically gives them the go-ahead and says, you know, this is unclaimed land. Go for it. Uh, and doesn't act in favor of the Batarian hegemony, that's kind of like their breaking point 
with the rest of the galaxy and they're like this is bullshit you're preferring this um you know humanity's still the new kid on the block and you're preferring them immediately right right uh, these weird fleshy things with hair on the tops of their heads yeah right and they only have two eyes right <laughs> yeah fucking bizarre um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it doesn't fly with them, obviously. Um, and they don't have as much resources and they don't seem to have, they, they don't seem to be as industrious as humanity because they're not able to colonize as fast. So mm -hmm. they're getting behind the eight ball in the Scillian Verge and they're not able to colonize there. So that's why the Batarian hegemony might be pissed off enough to try and rid the entire Scillian Verge of humans. Um, but the pirates themselves are not happy either, either. So it's important to note that like this group of criminals is officially who led the, uh, raid on Elysium, but they did it with money that probably came from the hegemony, but the hegemony did it with that dark money to, you know, shirk responsibility to mm -hmm. say, Oh, it wasn't us. Those were just criminals. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. That's never happened in history before. Yeah. Yeah. Plausible deniability. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so does the attack succeed? Not at all. Um, the Alliance responds pretty quickly and the criminal gangs and the slavers, um, they get annihilated. And it's important to kind of note that the pirates also have a vested interest because the Alliance patrols while the Alliance was colonizing that kind of that part of space, Alliance patrols were taking out pirates left and right. So they have a, you know, self-preservation uh, motivation to get rid of the Alliance in the Scalian Verge as well. Um, but during this attack, um, they get annihilated in ship to ship combat. The Alliance is just, you know, way better equipped. Um, and we, we know part of this from what, uh, the navigator Presley tells us and the ground forces though, things are a lot tougher for them. Um, where the Alliance does not have the advantage with ships when it comes to ground to ground combat, things are gritty and ultimately the Alliance forces repel them and the invaders retreat though. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to this being one of the key uh, events in the lore, I kind of wonder what did the hegemony tell their citizens after it failed? Hmm. Because clearly they might be an isolated world. You know, they have total control over the media within their isolated home world, but everyone had to have found out about it eventually. Right? So what did they tell people that it was a false flag attack? used by the Alliance to justify, you know, retaliatory actions against Batarians. Like that sounds like something that a totalitarian state would say. Sure. That was kind of, you know, par for the course. Right. I mean, we're, we're seeing that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're seeing, yeah. Literally right now. <laughs> um, and, um, so yeah, it wouldn't, it would not surprise me that, uh, the Batarian hegemony would, would lie to their people probably to explain things away like that. But, it's interesting to note um, with the uh, with the Scillian Verge that there are a few locations in here that, like I said, are incredibly important to the lore. Number one, Kamala. Remember, it was the planet card we did last mm -hmm. week. Yeah, I kept saying I kept saying Kamala. Kamala, yeah, planet Kamala. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not Kamala. Yeah. Not the vice president. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> 
Kamala was the site of David Anderson's Keystone mission with Saren, the one that went terribly awry and uh, a lot of innocent people died because Saren is a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Anderson got thrown under the bus and yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Anderson got thrown under the bus and um, things did not go according to plan. And so because of that, humanity was embarrassed on a galactic scale and Anderson did not become the first human specter. Instead, that that um, that was reserved for Shepard. Had Anderson become the first human 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 specter, human or Anderson probably would have taken point on the investigation into Saren mm-hmm. and then probably the investigation into the Reapers. Yeah. Yeah. So the games would have been about Anderson. Right. So come on. Right. Kamala, very important, very important planet. Uh, everything changed there. And on the note of Anderson, the planet where that Alliance research facility was researching artificial intelligence and whatnot, that was Sidon. That's that planet. Sidon is also within the Skillian Verge. Uh, and that is the same planet where the rogue Alliance scientist planned the attack on his own station and then retreated with uh, Idan Hada at the helm of this mercenary group that was protecting him while he could do this research into the uh, unknown alien artifact, which eventually we became uh, we became aware was sovereign. Mm. Uh, so that all started at Sidon, also within the Skillian Verge. There's also the Bahak system, which might not ring a bell to people, but if I tell you that it's the same system which was destroyed when Shepard detonates the Alpha Mass Relay to delay the Reaper's arrival in the Arrival DLC, it might ring a bell now. Of course, that was incredibly important because that happened years and years after the Skillian Blitz, but hundreds of thousands of Batarians died in that. And it's the reason, if you do that DLC, it's the reason why Shepard's being court-martialed in 3, in the beginning of 3. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of mass murder, but, you know. It's a hard sell to say, <laughs> hey, you know, I actually saved lives. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a very hard, hard sell. Um, so, yeah, uh, I see a, a comment in chat saying... Uh, saying Poseidon. I know it does sound like Poseidon, but it's actually Sidon. Uh, S-I-D-O-N was the name of that planet. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the research facility. Or the research facility was on Sidon, rather. Uh, But anyway, uh, with the point being about the Skillian Verge, it's very important, not just to the Mass Effect universe, but also intricately so with Commander Shepard himself. Because Shepard had his or her own actions within the Bahak system, which altered the course of history for that galaxy forever. Politically, probably one of the Alliance's worst nightmares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were already accused of being, you know, expansionist Nazis in the Skillian Verge. Um, And then they have to defend that. So, you know, uh, not exactly politically convenient for them, but this, this is all decided no matter what we choose for Shepard's background, right? right. Uh, and regardless of what we choose for Shepard's background and reputation at the beginning, Shepard still served in the Blitz. This is an important thing to note mm-hmm. that, and I know that it, it might come as a surprise. Some people might say, now, wait a second. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that only the war hero Shepard served in the Skillian Blitz. And it would make sense for you to say that because in the war hero definition in the explanation for that, which we'll get into, uh, they tell, they talk specifically about Shepard's service in the Blitz and what Shepard did in the Blitz. But regardless of the background and reputation that you choose, Shepard still served in the Blitz. It's just that we don't know the extent of their actions for the other psych profiles. Uh, we'll talk, we'll talk about those in the next episode. Okay. Um, okay. And of course, it's already decided for us by the time Mass Effect 1 starts that Shepard is a lieutenant commander and the executive officer of the SSV Normandy. And if you remember just last week when we said that's that's kind of like when Anderson was the executive officer of the SSV Hastings. Yeah. So and uh, the other thing that's, you know, kind of uh, not already decided for us is that Shepard becomes a specter. No matter what we do, no matter what we want, yeah. <laughs> no matter what you choose, you play long enough, Shepard becomes a specter. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So that's all the stuff that's kind of set in stone, right? We have no, we have no choice. We have no decision about any of that stuff. Correct. But let's talk about then the stuff that's not decided for us already. Right. Um, so you remember when you were making your character in Mass Effect 1 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they ask about pre-service history well this is all about who Shepard is uh, or I'm sorry was before joining the Alliance so where did they grow up right. what shaped their early life a lot of the things that might play into your Shepard's decision-making processes later in the game if you're going to be doing some more intense role-playing right yeah did you were you violent against small animals growing up did you <laughs> torture them did you right right should the authorities be you know tipped off that you exist (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna become a mass murderer um but yeah but okay but but seriously um yeah absolutely everybody makes those choices and then you might like i mentioned on the previous episode later on kind of forget which one you chose but we all go through that character creation part yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't. This um, this pre-service history choice, it doesn't just change what some characters say about your shepherd. It, including the opening scene with Anderson and Udina chatting about your shepherd, uh, but it also unlocks special and unique missions that are exclusive to your chosen history. Do you remember which? history that you choose or that, that you chose I, or choose you know, most of the time it's been so long since my first playthrough like from my, my first what i consider my canon playthrough that i don't recall what my first playthrough was and then i've done several since then mm-hmm. um and i've tried different ones so i i can't like if you were to say like what is what is your most canon version of of your shepherd i couldn't tell you at this point it's it's just at this it's just a mush in my head now um <laughs> i wish i could remember but if I, if I think long enough, I might be able to piece it back together, but it has been so long because I played, I played, I mean, I played these games when they came out. Oh, 100%. I get that. Yeah. Um, it's been if so you were long. To, if you were to ask me what my first one was, I can tell you just because I remember, like, I think I have the advantage of that. Like when I first played this game, I was, how old would I have been? Uh, 13 or 14 yeah so and it was so integral it was into so my formative experience yeah yes yeah, yeah. Yes. for me uh, yeah I'm, I'm older than you are so it was more of just like 
one of the games that I played along with so many others, right? Right. And I definitely, I, I mean, I've definitely had an emotional reaction to two. You know, I've talked about this before. Two is is one of the best games. You know, in my list of top games of all time, I would put two in that list. Um, you know, and, and one of the few games that genuinely gave me an emotional reaction. But it's hard to remember specifically which version of Shepard, like which origin I chose. Because mm. going back and remembering that that selection is hard. It's easy to remember, like, which uh, romanceable character I chose. And, like, did I save this, you know, character or not? Did I, you know, like, those options I remember because right. I had a, an emotional reaction to them. But when it came to, like, that that specific decision, it's a little bit hard for me, me to remember. So now that we're on this topic, and I do, it's not in the notes, but I, I, want, <laughs> I want to put Tom in the hot seat for a second. Which alien did you bang first? Uh, oh, remember this? I none of them. Oh, you didn't. I, you didn't bang any of the aliens. No, I, f I completely failed all of those decisions because I, I tried. I, I went with my conscience, which actually screwed over all of my relationships. Oh, so you went like monk shepherd? Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I ended up like I was too honest and I was too straight laced with trying to do the right thing for the galaxy that I ended up screwing over all my relationships. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't. This would be inappropriate in fraternization. <laughs> well, kind of, but it, no, it was like, you know how sometimes uh, some of the relationships you ended up having to like uh, choose the person and like their feelings over doing the thing that was situationally more beneficial for like the larger Everyone people, else. like that kind of thing. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of times my decisions would end up screwing over everybody else. Um, so I wouldn't make those decisions. So I ended up often pissing off somebody or ruining the potential for the relationship too early on and then not being able to follow through with it. Uh, yeah, that happened with me. Um, mm -hmm. so I did that on purpose one time and then I, but that was like not my first playthrough, but yeah. then like I also yep. did it on not, not on purpose. Yep. Yeah. Before. And, and, uh, two girls mentions, uh, yeah. And in two, uh, I, I romanced Thane. Thane was the one who I ended up romancing at like towards the end of that whole, like going through all the different romance options, Thane was the oh, one that did. actually worked out, and then uh, he was the one that I I put him in charge of one of the groups in the end, and he was the only one who died in the final mission. Oh yeah, that's and tough. it was like super tragic because like like everything was like finally working out, and then Thane died, and I was like, and you, what? You know, are you? Is, was this a, supposed to happen? Like. Are really you know they they've yeah. programmed that final mission in such a way that if you don't look up a guide it's pretty hard i think mm -hmm. yeah like if you if you haven't played through the game a bunch of yeah, times and this was the first this was my first playthrough yeah so right so yeah. it's pretty hard to understand who is going to die and who's not yeah um and how your actions can affect that but i like that um and, and that's that's my preferred way to play these games is to is to have that sense of like not i'm not gaming the game I'm doing what I think is the right decision based on what I've learned so far, because that's how life works, right? Like, yes, I mean, life doesn't have an author that's sitting over penning things and, and, you know, playing out the course of actions for you, but it's about as close as you get to actual real life, right? You can, you mm -hmm. only have the information that you've collected along the way. You only have the conversations with the other people and you only have a limited amount of knowledge. And so therefore you just have to make your decisions based on that limited amount of knowledge. You can't look up, you know, the internet of life and go, what happens if I do this? Who else has done How this already? Gonna happen? Yeah. yeah. Like you can't, you can't do that. So and I, even absolutely. so I, I, I kind 
kind of I might be weird because I like I like meaningful tragedy. You know, oh, absolutely. I, I, I yeah. like it in a game. It creates a great um, story. And, and, and that's part of why it's fun to share that story is because it's absolutely unique too. like uh, and too, I didn't know if it was set up to be that way or not. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing you would write in, you know, like, are, mm. is the person that you romance supposed to die? Is does that work out for most people or no? Like when that happened to me in game, the game was new. So there's so much of that. I didn't is this know supposed yet? to happen. Right. And you don't know. I didn't know and, yet. So I, I hadn't had conversations with anyone else to be like, so did your the character you romance die in the final mission? Like how many characters do die in the final mission? Can you get everyone killed? Is there only one person that ever dies in the final mission? Like what are the options? I don't even know what the potential of options are. Right? I feel like this game, you know, Mass Effect 2 came out back in the day when people still did have in-person conversations with their friends about like, <laughs> right. you know, hey, this yeah. happened in my game. Did this yeah. happen in your game? Well, this is and, part of why I started podcasts is because I didn't have friends who were playing these games. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and I remember that there was like guides to Mass Effect 2's final mission in the Game Informer magazine. Yes, that feels like a million years ago, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, dude, I remember. Um, I remember when magazines were thick too. When you would get yeah. like, like PC Gamer magazine was like a book. I was excited whenever yeah. it would come out. Oh god, those those are so cool. But anyway, yeah, yeah, this this stuff was was great when you first went through it. But trying to remember all that stuff at the time was was very difficult. Um, but uh, so wrapping up this section of it. Uh, if I remember correctly, there were three options, right? So Spacer, Colonist, and Earthborn, right? Earthborn, that was the other, that was the name of it. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get into the specifics about all that stuff after the mid-break. So don't go anywhere. And I see all the fun talk and chat. So you guys keep talking about that stuff. We're going to thank our patrons and we'll be right back. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, guys, thanks for all the fun reminiscing. Um, welcome to the middle of the show. We get to thank our brand new tier four patron, Soda. I love Soda. I also uh, enjoy the beverage. Uh, but thank you for signing up. And um, big thanks to all of our other patrons, all 50 or 46 of you. I almost said the wrong number. Uh, thanks for being here and supporting the show, including our tier five shepherds, who the fool, Commander Shanko, Mighty Talos, Apollo and Pipe Man. Thank you so much for all of you guys. It's just amazing that you guys are here and helping to support us so that we can keep doing this. We genuinely appreciate it. And if, we, if we're helping you, if you're listening to this and not supporting us on the Patreon yet, and we're helping you get through your work day, your workout, your drive to work, or doing your taxes, because what are you doing? Taxes are almost, it's almost time for taxes. You got to do your taxes. And if you're getting a you know kickback from the government and you want to put it somewhere where you're going to really appreciate what you're getting, like maybe ad free episodes or a T-shirt or multiple T-shirts, because if you sign up long enough, you get T-shirts and stickers or you can join us on a future episode of the show. Go to Patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. I'm sorry, I'm stressing you out. I'm stressing out some of our, our friends in chat, uh, but, you know, we'd appreciate it. And um, you're going to help us keep this thing going because this is part of what we do for a living. It's my full-time job. It's a side thing for, for Sam here. And, uh, we would genuinely love the support. So big thanks to everybody who helps support the show. And there's also other ways that you can support us like leaving your ratings and reviews and, uh, telling your friends and joining us on the discord and just being our friends on discord because we love that as well. So, Oh, and two girls says she got a renegade shirt today. You are now both a paragon and a renegade. Look at that. You could wear both shirts simultaneously and then we would be very confused except we'd only see the one on top. So there you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, do we have a planet card? Is that what I see here? Yes, we do. We have another planet card. What? Yeah, so uh, this planet card is actually that of Elysium. And uh, we were just mentioning Elysium and why it's important because of the Skillian Blitz. So I'll just go ahead and read the planet card. Mm. Uh, when searching for a colony to retire to, Alliance hero John Grissom, hmm, mm. who we just uh, mixed up with Josh Grissom, jo right? Or, jo it was actually John, John, John Grisham. John, John Grisham, Grisham, that's right. And that's where the S is, is in the last name, yeah. Yeah, there's a sh somewhere. There. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. Shh, don't, don't yeah. tell anyone. Yes. <laughs> well, Alliance hero John Grissom. The author. Uh, <laughs> the author. And author, uh, yes. Said he wanted, quote, 
the one where the sun has the decency to set at a reasonable time uh, <laughs> when he was searching for a colony to retire to, which sounds like a grumpy old man thing to say. Absolutely. I'm going to retire in Florida because at least the sun knows when it's supposed to set. Yeah. At least the sun knows when it's fucking supposed to set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going up north. It's too cold and the sun doesn't set. It sets too early. I'm just going to read the rest of the planet card in John Grissom's voice. Okay? Yeah, do it. All right. Elysium fulfilled this criteria and many more featuring low gravity and tolerable atmospheric pressure and a suitable climate. I feel like you got to you- cough a little bit because of your lungs even smoking too much. <laughs> too many cigars. Humans and aliens alike flock to the Alpine paradise early in the permanent, (laughs) early in its colonial years. And the planet remains a vibrant hub for both visitors and permanent residents. Security is a constant concern for Elysium. Fucking horse it is. John, is that you out there? What are you doing talking to the neighbors again? Get in here. The ship's getting cold. I'll be in a second, goddammit. Anyway, I don't know why I'm still married to you, John. (laughs) (laughs) That's his old lady. (laughs) I fucking hate her. (laughs) (laughs) The planet has suffered several pirate or mercenary attacks, including the Skillian Blitz of 2176. That was a son of a bitch, wasn't it? You're a son of a bitch, John. You're first getting cold. Why don't I even cook for you anymore? I said I'll be in a minute, Ethel. Elysium's airspace is secured by mobile planetary defense cannons, which I helped arm. Its armed starship complement is relatively light, though. Material and volunteers from Elysium formed part of the Alliance Second Fleet, which was stationed near Octurus before the fleet was destroyed by the Reapers. Now, this uh, planet was likely named <laughs> after the Greek mythological Elysian Fields, which is where the uh, Greek heroes went after they died. I should have married a Greek hero say you, John. <laughs> I, I think maybe I should. Should I read every planet card in, in John Grissom's voice? Or at least in a, in a voice that makes sense with the card. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to do like a Garrus voice. I, I'd be like, yeah. I'd have to yeah. like, I'd have to, yeah, Garrus have to is very, program. I could program like Garrus a has a very effect. like, uh, but he, yeah, he's got that. Yeah. If you're talking about that weird, like the flange flange yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have like a flange effect on my. Uh, I don't have anything close enough to that to do that, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you could just kind of just make your voice deeper and kind of try to do that thing. But I was getting dangerously close to Arthur from Red Dead. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a good voice. Arthur Arthur Morgan's voice is good. Like his voice actor is amazing. Um. All right. Well, there's that's Elysium. And uh, thanks for hanging out during the middle of this show. This has been sketches with tom and sam all right let's move on with the rest of this because we've still got a lot to do we got a lot to cover we'll uh move on here we go spit it out or are you trying to build suspense you're so dense sir obviously i do not know as much about human relationships as i thought all right so let's get into this what are the pre-service history choices 
Okay, so like I said, each of these choices comes with numerous uh, references by NPCs dialogue in the game, and they also have unique missions attached to them. Uh, for example, colonists, people who choose the colonist background, will not get to meet Shepard's mom. And people who choose the spacer background will not get to help someone named Talitha. Or Talitha. In case you were too bothered uh, to read the flavor text in the character creator, which I know some people, the way they play games, they just, you know, gotta have it now, gotta have it now. So just skip through, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's fine if you play that way. There's nothing against that. Um, and if, Or if you just need a refresher, or let's say that, you know, uh, like we mentioned earlier, maybe you played through the games countless times, but you end up gravitating toward the same backgrounds and choices over and over again. Yep. I totally get that. I do that too. Um, so whatever the case is, uh, we're going to have you covered because we're going to go through each of those pre-service history choices, uh, starting with Spacer. Uh, so the flavor text in the beginning of the game that we see. How does the Spacer talk? I don't know. I'm imagining like Buzz Lightyear. Like, um, like important. Like I'm infinity. Buzz Lightyear. To infinity and beyond. and beyond. Right. Both of your parents were in the Alliance military. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you want to do this one? Uh, sure. Uh, your childhood was spent on ships and stations as they transferred from posting to posting, never staying in one location for more than a few years. Following in your parents' footsteps, you enlisted at the age of 18. <laughs> that was perfect. Something that like that, that reminded right? me of um, of Buzz Lightyear, but also like, uh, who is the guy from Ratchet and Clank who was one of the, the uh, space commanders? Was it Ca oh, uh, Quark? <laughs> Uh, I've only watched my uh, wife and son play Ratchet and Clank. I never played the originals. I wasn't. It's yeah. so good. If yeah. you've ever, well, fun. If you ever the newest one is a lot of fun to watch. I didn't play it myself, but yeah. Yeah, the graphics are like great. Oh, uh, dude, but, it's amazing. Yeah. But about uh, Mass Effect, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the spacer background is really cool, I think, because it's, it's one of the only backgrounds where at least one of Shepard's parents is around. And you could talk to her. Uh, her name is Hannah Shepard, which I feel like this name is unmistakably biblical. Hannah Shepard. Oh, I know? mean, Shepard itself is biblical sounding. Right. We're going to have a we're going to have an episode at some point about, you know, Shepard as a Jesus allegory. Absolutely. And I feel like that's part of why they went with that name. I mean, not, definitely not just the you mentioning the actual human person named Shepard, but that I think that also sealed the deal was it being allegorical. Right. And of course, um, for those who are not uh, as theologically inclined, uh, Hannah in the Bible was the person who gave birth to Samuel. Right. And then basically gave him to God, uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then and then Jesus as the shepherd of. Right. You know, minding the flock, the flock being us humans. Yeah. The yeah. Milky Way. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's also during the special mission for uh, the spacer background. Quote, uh, the, name, the name of the mission is Old, Unhappy, Far Off Things, uh, which is a literary reference and five points to you if you get it. Um, but in that mission, we meet, quote unquote, meet Shepard's mom. And I say meet because it's like a disembodied voice. It's not really like you don't, you don't see what Shepard's mom look, look, looks like. But um, I bet she's basically, super hot. Oh yeah, probably a total milf. And totally. Shepard is Shepard doesn't want to introduce his mom to anyone because he's like so sick of hearing all of the yeah, people hitting mom's hot on her. 
Hey, hey Shepard, you know Stacy's mom? Your mom's hotter than Stacy's mom. <laughs> Shepard's mom has got it going on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is that, I feel like that should be on a shirt. <laughs> Shepard's mom has got it going on with like a silhouette of like this hot, this hot lady, like kind of like looking like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, when we meet Shepard's mom, uh, meet with a space um, helmet. <laughs> it's a space. It's a space like, helmet. No, the, hot, the hot, like female figure, right? But but a space helmet on it also, and also like a like, digital transparent see-through thing, yeah. like a hologram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go it's on. like it's like Cortana from Halo, but with a helmet on. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's in space. <laughs> Um, during the old and happy far off things quest, basically we're walking around, um, the Citadel and then this guy who seems like a deadbeat approaches us and asks for about 20 credits. And then he's like, yo, but wait, I know your mom. (laughs) And you're like, okay, uh, this seems pretty sketchy and it's easy not to believe him. And you can give him the money or not. Uh, and it'll award you a small amount of renegade or paragon points, depending on if you give them the money. And then if you, when you go back to the Normandy, you can call your mom and be like, Hey, uh, mom, do you know this guy? Like, uh, Zabaleta is his name. Uh, he said he knew you and here's where things get tragic. So it turns out that the, your mom does know him. And in fact, your mom used to serve with him. He was Lieutenant Zabaleta back in the day. And uh, he saw the most brutal fighting while defending Mindwar, uh, which was a colony that was sacked by slavers. And he developed a drinking problem because of the PTSD that he just couldn't cope with. And this drinking problem ultimately leads to him getting discharged, even though Hannah Shepard sticks up for him. And so there's not a lot that she can do, uh, but he he eventually gets kicked out of the Alliance. Um, because of this drinking problem um, and the PTSD. And so it is pretty sad. Um, And honestly, I felt like an ass when I did this mission because Mm -hmm. I didn't believe him. And I said no. And so then I went back to the ship and I spoke with, uh, you know, my mom and and (laughs) turns out that the guy's telling the truth. So then I go back to the Citadel where he is and you and you see him again. And there's four choices that Shepard can make. Shepard can give him the money like extra money or a shepherd can set him up with an account at a grocery store to stop him from drinking just to make sure that he like, you know, actually gets what he needs or shepherd can simply refuse again. Um, shepherd can, if you have enough, if you have enough charm or intimidate points, which is four and five respectively, I think, uh, shepherd can send Zabaleta to the veteran affairs office and be like, yo, you need help. You need help beyond just what I can do for you. But it takes, you know, quite a lot to, to convince him to go. Um, but you can, and that's, I think the way that you get the most amount of, uh, reputation points. So pretty cool, uh, pretty cool mission there and a cool way to, to loop in Shepard's mom into it. Um, as for lasting effects from the mission, 
in Mass Effect 2, uh, if you do that mission in Mass Effect 2, actually, I don't know if it's dependent on if, if you've completed the mission in Mass Effect 2, but if you've chosen the spacer background in Mass Effect 2, then your mom sends you a mission, or your mom sends you a message, rather. Um, and are you basically... Like, are you going to talk like her? Uh, I don't know if I can do a Hannah Shepard impression, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Um, in Mass Effect 2, if you, if you chose the background and imported your ship, you get this email from your mom that basically says, so I have to find out that my child <laughs> is alive third hand from Alliance Brass. Where the hell have you been? I figure whatever you're doing is classified, likely part of your Spectre's operation. Just stay safe out there and keep doing your mom proud and sneak something through a secure channel next time. Love your mother, Captain Hannah. <laughs> which is, Meiji which Moose is nice. says she sounds just like Arthur Morgan. <laughs> Meiji, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Red Dead you played, <laughs> but I think it may have been a bootleg copy. <laughs> he just played it on like fast forward speed and everything was pitched up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta get through this 100-hour game in 50 hours. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Captain Hannah Shepard actually gets promoted to Rear Admiral Shepard in Mass Effect 3, and it's courtesy of Admiral Hackett that we know that she is all right and that she's working on the Crucible in Mass Effect 3. And of course, that doesn't happen if you're not part of if you if your Shepard was not the spacer background. Um, so there's also a very touching sequence, which personally, it rips my heart out and stomps on it. Um, but it's during the Citadel DLC and you can give your mom a call and I won't spoil it. Um, but bring tissues, tissues, uh, so, you know, it's a similar impacting scene as, as, um, the scene we mentioned last week with Anderson. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well. I guess we could so, move on to the next one, but yeah, so yeah, that's no spoilers, one. no spoilers with that one. Okay. So Earthborn's next. Yeah. So here's the Earthborn one. Do you want to give a ver what's, voice to what's Earthborn? What's an Earthborn sound like? I don't know. A uh, gruff, uh, maybe, you know, like you were raised on the streets. A street kid? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a tough street kid. <laughs> Is this how street yeah. kids talk? Yeah, you're a tough street kid. I'm a tough street kid. You're you from were, Brooklyn. You were an orphan raised on the streets of a great metro metropolis is that what that word is metropolis metropolis why was i reading it funny metropolis covering earth that's how street kids say that word in the future you escape the life of petty crime and underworld gangs by enlisting with the alliance military when you turned 18 what what so. yo 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 <laughs> Yeah, this is That's how this street is, kids uh, talk in the future, everybody. This is Shepard. If Shepard was Shepherd in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. No, <laughs> sleep till Brooklyn. Because <laughs> he's straight out of Compton. <laughs> I was doing Beastie Boys, but all right. I'll, I'll make the uh, yeah I'll make the NWA reference. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Shepherd's Gang, <laughs> which is so weird to say. Uh, Shepherd's Gang is the Tenth Street Reds, and so the explanation that we see in the beginning says that 
Shepard escaped this life of petty crime. While it doesn't seem like Shepard was completely insulated from it, and it does seem like Shepard did, at least for a little time, uh, you know, live that life, because Shepard was part of the 10th Street Reds, and this comes up if you choose the Earthborn background. Um, mm-hmm. It's also the name that- of his favorite cigarette at the time. Yeah, right? I hear 10th Street Reds, and I think, like, hey, can you give me a pack of 10th Street Reds? Like, hey, uh, can I bum a 10th Street Red off you? Maybe Don't that's smoke. Smoking is bad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, smoking is bad. And by the way, I'm pretty soon I'm celebrating two years after having quit. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. So, so thank you. Your lungs yeah, will I think, appreciate it. I think it it actually may have already passed. I don't know. It was weird. Like the second that I stopped deciding that it was like a big deal that I was gonna quit is the second that it, it just, stuck. Yeah, like psychologically. Like, yeah, or just switch. I almost choked on a piece of ice. <laughs> it just like well, a, a switch just kind of flipped and you were just like, eh, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like, I think I'll stop now. Nice. And Congrats. it wasn't because I had, I had tried multiple times before that. And uh, every time that I made it a big deal, like, OK, this is my last cigarette ever. It just never stuck. But enough about that. Enough about my uh, my my relationship with the Tenth Street Reds. Um, <laughs> Shepard's relationship with the Tenth Street Reds isn't quite over. Come Mass Effect One, and um, it's brought up in a very abrupt way for Shepard right outside of Cora's Den. Basically, a member of that gang helps or asks Shepard for help uh, in freeing another gang member from a guard in Cora's Den. And the fellow gang member, Finch, uh, says that the guy was trafficking drugs through Turian space. And that's all he was doing. Just a little bit of red sand. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but it turns out I've Finch is full of shit. And uh, who would have guessed? Um, he was certainly not Darwin's Finch. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Definitely not. He'd never make it in that band. Definitely not. He uh, he has no sense of culture. Um <laughs> But what he was actually doing, the guy who got caught, was he was caught trying to poison medical supplies headed to a Turian colony uh, that was fighting a disease. And the guard claims that millions would have died if he succeeded. Yeah, that's no good. That's a big difference between smuggling a little bit of red sand. That was just some petty drug trafficking. Like, you know, it's fine. Versus, hey, he was trying to poison an entire colony's medical supplies and kill millions of people. This is why you don't take up smoking. It's a gateway drug. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Next thing you know, you're going to be committing genocide. It will kill everybody. Yeah, it's like, okay. So this is kind of a big difference. And then when Shepard learns this, it becomes evident that the uh, 10 Street Reds are A, pretty fucking awful, uh, and, and B, by 2183, perhaps more of a terrorist organization than just some petty street gang. Yeah. Right? Even if by accident, <laughs> even if they didn't intentionally do this. Yes. Right. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's up to Shepard how to handle it, of course. Um, and there's there's multiple ways that you can handle it. So first off, you can just tell the guard, hey, by the way, this guy outside wants to free the gang member that you got. <laughs> Guard's like, okay, thanks. Bye. 
mission over uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and you get two paragon points you can try and use if you have enough points you can try and use the intimidate dialogue option to threaten and kill uh, the guards you know lackeys if he doesn't release the prisoner uh, and you can also use the charm dialogue option to freeze the, to free the prisoner but both of those dialogue options are going to give you a lot of renegade points so mm-hmm. um, you can basically choose uh, not to free the guy after learning what you do <laughs> and if you do choose to not free the guy you can go back out and talk to finch or you can kill him <laughs> you can you can kill finch that will result in a lot of renegade points of course uh but you can also if you have enough points in charm you can tell finch that humans need others to strengthen humanity that it's not all about you know being as terroristic xenophobe <laughs> and imagine that um and uh, if you successfully convince him, you get eight eight paragon points. Um, and you can also, though, go a little bit darker in the method. And you can uh, use intimidate to remind Finch how <laughs> Shepard's specter status will allow Shepard to legally execute everyone in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> right, a little you can extreme. Just, you can just take everyone uh, out. But I get it. Um, and it's kind of funny because Finch is like, you know, what if I just, uh, what if I just tell the media, you know, that uh, big old Shepherd now used to run with the Ten Street Reds and hates aliens. <laughs> and the the renegade option for responding to that is basically like, you really think I give a fuck? <laughs> and it works. Um, but regardless, um, regardless of how you end that, it doesn't seem to have too much of a lasting effect. Because it seems that all that comes out of that is an email from the gang member who uh, wanted you to free that guy. Um, so it doesn't seem like too much comes out of that. Um, mm-hmm. So that takes us to the next background, which is colonist. Colonist. So what do colonists sound like? I don't know. What do you What do you think? I feel like a colonist would be. Um, so first thing that pops up in my head is either like hippy dippy colonists who are like. I'm, um, you know, hey, I'm going to go colonize a new planet because it's the right thing to do, you know, spread the human race, peace and love. <laughs> or it's like snooty, like, mm, I'm so I'm so wealthy and I'm going to, you know, colonize something because I, I have the wealth and the means to do so. And That's I'm going to be, be the first to do it. Mm. My far, my, so my first thought is like. If you're a first generation colonist, like you are a poor refugee. There. Right. That's the other right. one. Right. So it's one and of those three. Like I have the like I'm I'm gonna colonize this and be like the the landowner who takes it and like exploits all the poor people, or the poor hippy dippy, mm-hmm. or just the you know poor like uh just get out of here because I have no no other options. I'm like it's illogical because at this point in Mass Effect One there hasn't been that many years since uh, humanity was colonizing, but I was think thinking some backwoods person. You know? <laughs> so we're going with like <laughs> like Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I can do an Appalachian like. Oh, I can. Uh, well, you want to do this one? Yeah. So I went to school in oh. Appalachia. Oh, there you go. And right. It's really easy, actually. Anyone can do this at home if they'd like. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to have an Appalachian accent, just don't move your upper lip when you speak. Hmm. And uh, here I'll do it. <clears throat> you were born and raised on Mendoir, a small border colony in the Attic and Traverse. When you were sixteen, slavers raided Mendoir. Slaughter and your family and friends. You were saved by a passing alliance patrol and you enlisted with the military a few years later. Nice. Nice. 
(laughs) That may have been a little bit closer to Sam Elliott. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But regardless, uh, all you got to do is not move your upper lip. Don't move your upper lip. Talk about hunting and swamping. Hunting and swamping. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't move your upper lip when you speak. Eventually, I would just become Boomhauer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's Appalachia. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Appalachia has entered the chat, and they are not happy. Uh, <laughs> well, they got their guns and moonshine, so. They're rarely happy. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, so the whole thing about, like, you were born and raised on this colony, and when you were 16, these slavers raided and killed your whole family, and then everything that you loved, you saw destroyed. Mm-hmm. That whole thing sounds very Star Wars-esque, when doesn't it? decided to go walk in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you were like, well, this is boring. Might as well go save the galaxy. Guess so. Guess so. Where's Ben? Ben! <laughs> <laughs> well, of course I know him. Because he is me. <laughs> Cue the lightsaber cutting over. I don't think Tom-tom. I said that quote perfectly, but you guys get it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay. So what, where does this take us? So for this one, uh, Shepard is alerted I am him you know because i am him that's the quote right anyway go on <laughs> of course i know him i he is me or something like that it's something uh, like i'm him that's uh, something like that we messed it up somebody's gonna be yelling at their anyway go someone's on. shaking their radio they're like no you messed up the quote you guys don't know anything about star wars well we're doing a mass effect podcast what do you expect <laughs> yeah cut us <laughs> cut us some slack right it, it's it's late um you know, uh, but for this one, for the mission that's assigned to the uh, colonist background, Shepard is alerted that there is a survivor of the attack on Mindwar who is having a mental health crisis and she is suicidal and it's on the Citadel and she's threatening to kill herself if guards come near. Uh, so she's definitely unstable. And some guards let Shepard know about this and they hand Shepard the sedative and you can choose whether or not to hear her out. And if you do be prepared because you know, it is, it is really heart wrenching. Like this, this dialogue is, is well-written and it's hard to hear. Um, she describes having been held prisoner, beaten, tortured, and basically forced to watch her parents die. Uh, like it's fucked up. Um, and it's, it's 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 tough to hear um and it's even tougher i think for your shepherd if your shepherd is a colonist background because you know you were there uh right so um tactically speaking though shepherd can keep her talking so she gets more comfortable with you um taking closer and closer steps toward her so that you're ultimately the, the ultimate goal is to give her the sedative and you need to get closer to her without, you know, uh, angering her or inflaming the situation more. Uh, or maybe, you know, you do truly want to hear her out and you can explain to her that the guards gave you the sedative and you're allowing her to voluntarily take it. Um, there's another choice if you're a complete monster. Okay. Uh, you can blame her for her own torture, tell her to snap out of it, and exit the conversation, and then go tell the guard to shoot her. Cool. Um, I don't understand how anyone with any iota of morality could choose this. <laughs> I get role-playing a bad guy. I really do. But after having heard you know, minutes and minutes of really excruciating dialogue, 
uh, and the dialogue is so tragic that if you don't feel anything and you choose this route, I pray that hell burns hot enough for you. <laughs> you and politicians. Same circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, l- let us know what the lawyers are like. <laughs> right. Right. You and, uh, you know, people who do terrible things to children. Yeah. Enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Um, oh, it's yeah. it's terrible. Like, oh. I think everyone who's probably played this mission before, I, I would like to think that like 90 percent at least of players do not shoot her and do not blame her for the torture that she has endured yeah that's super weird that's super weird i'm not sure it's a statistic that i actually want to see because i might lose faith in humanity but um yeah i mean i don't know putting her out of her own misery i'm trying to come up with some sort of justification here i don't know i don't know it's it's clearly someone who has been abused to hell and back and has ptsd and needs help um I don't I don't really see any way that someone would not have like sympathy for this person. But and Shepard Shepard themselves would definitely have empathy because Shepard went through that. But I could also see the argument that Shepard may have gotten hardened by the experience. Right. Sure. Uh, Sure. Like, you know, I went through it and I survived. You can, too, because there are those people in the world and we call those people Republicans. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, we just, and we just lost more listeners yay nah. <laughs> i'm kidding um but yeah we call I, those people assholes is what we call <laughs> oh, them um, but there are people who who they there is that mentality of like it was hard for me it should be hard for you too all right like you don't deserve it to be easier for you because i had to do it the hard way which eh eh yeah and let's be clear right now there are tons of democrats and liberals with no empathy for people oh uh, this is yes obviously obviously on both sides absolutely yes yes yes. there are lots of humans with really terrible lack of empathy on every side of every issue yes and those people are assholes and (laughs) yes absolutely and so that that was um but yeah uh it's a it's a mentality that seems to be very common among um among people who have had it actually relatively easy. You know what I mean? It seems that trauma um, actually breeds more often than not. Trauma breeds empathy, but sometimes it doesn't. And um, so, you know, sometimes it doesn't. And it's interesting how trauma can change us. And trauma certainly changes changes Shepard. And it's up to you to decide, I suppose, how trauma changed Shepard. You get this email in Mass Effect 2 if you convinced her to take the sedative. So if you like, you know, hear her out and you're like, Hey, I get it. Uh, but here's what's going on. You know, the guards gave me the sedative and we're trying to get you to, you know, we're trying to get you some help. Um, and, uh, basically Talitha asks you, well, I have bad dreams when I go to sleep and it's like so innocent and like heartbreaking. Um, and Shepard can, can reassure Talitha, no, you won't, he won't dream at all. Well, if you convince her to take the sedative, she sends you an email on Mass Effect 2 and the email says, Shepard, I don't know if you remember me, but I had a gun and you stopped me from hurting myself. My doctors say I'm doing better. One of them works with people you work for. He told me he could get a message to you. I don't know what would have happened if you hadn't talked to me that day, but the doctors are helping me. I am getting better. 
They put me in a special school and they say I'm doing good. The doctors say that other people are getting taken like I was. I hope you can help them like you helped me. Thank you, Talitha. And yeah, that's a nice I normally, I normally play as colonist. Uh, and so I always do this mission. And I remember the first time I saw this email on Mass Effect 2, it, it like, it, it was one of the first times that I realized like, wow, my actions matter in the game. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a little bit of narrative text, you know, it feels like it matters. Yeah. It's a follow up to a decision you made, which is, it's always cool to see things come back around. Right. Like, like a side mission that took five, 10 minutes if that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, yeah. man, this has been a real, real fun, reminiscent kind of a, a look at the different paths and things. This has been really cool. So where, where are we going to go with the next episode? Uh, so in the next episode, we're talking about the other three choices that we get in designing the narrative of our shepherd, the psych profiles and how those affect the game. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, things are kind of mixed up for this week because of some stuff going on with stuff you've got going on. So we are right now, if you're watching the live show, we are going to continue and knock out another episode right here. But instead of doing two episodes this week for the same release in the same week, this second episode is actually going to be released next week because we won't be able to record next week. So we're going to kind of do one episode a week for the next two weeks and just kind of delay release of those if you're so if you're listening right now on the audio version and you're hoping to get another episode later this week it will be delayed till next week so just just so you're aware um but that's what we got going on you got anything else going on you want to share before we head out yeah um so you know you you brought it up i I have some other things going on so i will be taking uh, a week off here shortly after this episode airs i will be like i will be on vacation so i won't be streaming for a week um, I'll be visiting family for the first time since this pandemic began. So that's exciting. Um, and yeah, I will, uh, when I come back, I will be streaming more mass effect. Uh, I've been streaming some modded fallout Four, which people seem to enjoy as well. But if you'd like to catch any of those streams, uh, those are on Saturdays, Mondays, and Thursdays. And you can follow me at in seven, the legend on Twitch or same handle on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Fallout four. That's a good one. I know a little bit about Fallout. Um, <laughs> if you don't get the joke, it's because uh, I, I do a, the Fallout lore cast and a number of other shows. Uh, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Mass Effect, which is this one. I always go through them in order. Um, Witcher, Cyberpunk, and Lord of the Rings. Those are all my other shows. And you can check everything out at robotsradio.net for my shows and the other shows on the network. We've got lots of other shows by other creators, including shows on the Robots Radio Rocket Club, which are shows by new creators and shows that other people have joined us that I'm working with to help grow their shows as well. So you can check out all the different shows on the network. Just go to robotsradio.net and lots of awesome stuff about video games and nerd culture stuff. And um, if you're so, if you're looking for awesome stuff, go check that out. I will be uh, doing all of my streaming and other podcasting stuff on the Robots Radio channels at Twitch and YouTube and Facebook. So if you want to join us live on Monday nights, 10:30 p.m. Eastern, and we do those, just search Robots Radio on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. That's where we do it. So come join us there, or come join me there for other things like game streams and other stuff I've got going on, but that's what we got going on. Stay safe until next time. And we will be right back if you're watching the live show. And if not, we will see you next week for the next episode. All right. See you guys later.
Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.